If you're one of those people who loves music, maybe you're the kind of person that when you get in a car, the first thing you do is crank the stereo up. Or when you get home, you, uh, you, you maybe you plug in your iPod or you turn on the radio or whatever it is, maybe the TV. Uh, or maybe you, you like your earbuds with you at all times so you can pop them in there and listen to whatever it is. Um, or, you know, not like me, maybe you're actually musically gifted enough to play an instrument. If you're one of those people who loves music, will you just raise your hand? All right, so most of us love music, and the reason we would love music is because we love the way the rhythm and the beat kind of gets, gets us going, right? And we, and we listen to the music, we kind of get into the lyrics. Um, we're just totally into it, right? And, and um, maybe you can relate to, to the driving down the road. Well, maybe you can't relate to this, but I turn my music up way too loud and have the windows down so people around me get annoyed. But you're driving down the road, right? And you're listening to your music, and your music's different than mine. Maybe you listen to, like, classical or country or rap or uh, rock or whatever you listen to. It doesn't matter. You're into it. You're just you're feeling that song, you know, your favorite song's playing. It comes on the radio, and you're cranking it, and everything's going along. You're just jamming along fine, right? And you're just going, you're going, and then, like, big old scratch on the CD, and everything stops, Right? That is so annoying. It's like you can't even get going again after that. all that rhythm is just kind of thrown off, right? Everything gets kind of out of whack, and it takes, takes some time to really kind of get back into things. Um, or maybe, maybe you find yourself like me. I'll leave church, and I'll be like humming or singing along on a song, um, something that, you know, and then I'll find myself, even during the week, I'll come back and, you know, sing about how great our God is, right? I'll be singing that in the office, and I'll be walking down the hall, and I'm like, yeah, man, I sound pretty good, you know? kind of like the way I sound. And then uh, Joel, who's laughing, um, he'll, uh, he'll start singing along, and it's like, man, now I know why the dog runs when I sing. is because my voice is just horrible. But I don't hear it until I'm next to something that sounds good. I don't hear when I'm off key until I'm, until I'm standing next to somebody who is on key, um, which is why I lip sync most of the time on Sunday mornings, but if you're sitting near me. Um, so today we're going to be talking about um, rhythm. We're going to be talking about our rhythm specifically versus God's rhythm, how they're a little bit different. Um, and as you kind of saw in that video, everything has a rhythm, right? I mean, creation has a rhythm. When you think about creation and the world, you think about all the planets and the way they rotate and they, they spin around the sun and they, they do that at a very rhythmic, timed out motion. And you think about the day and the night, you know, and how the day and the night are pretty rhythmic in the way that they go and the... Um, you've got your, you know, the seasons, they flow, and, and you've got the plants. Plants have a rhythm with the way they grow their leaves, and the leaves fall, and the cycles that go, that go along with that. Um, even the tides have a rhythm. I'm like a big beach guy, and, the, and, the, and the, the tides, I mean, you can predict that out for like 10 years, like two highs, two lows. It's the same all the time, and, the, and it's very predictable, very rhythmic. Um, creation has this rhythm, right? And people have a rhythm, too. Um, if you think about um, people, you think about the fact that we have a life cycle and, you know, we grow, we're, we're born, we grow up, maybe we, we reproduce and, and then we die. I mean, not to be like morbid, but there's a cycle to it. We have a life cycle. And if you think about it, you know, you hear that old saying, history repeats itself. You know, you got the war and the peace and the war and the peace. And there's this constant like rhythm between those two things, right? And the 80s are coming back. So there's like a rhythm there, you know? And, uh, and, and so uh, I guess the rhythm is going to get you. Is that the 80s? Um, yeah. So, uh, so rhythm is coming back. And uh, <laughs> so there's a rhythm about people. People have a rhythm in their relationships. If you think about friendships, there's like a give and a take in the friendships. Um, you know, and if there's not, something feels out of rhythm. So people have a rhythm too. If you think about your body, your body has a rhythm too. Like maybe when you're walking down the street, you feel that rhythm of your feet on the street. You probably don't notice it very much. Um, or maybe when you're running, you might notice it. 
Um, when you're breathing, you think about your breathing. You guys haven't thought about your breathing the entire time you've been here, but the minute I said something about it, all of a sudden you're thinking about the fact that you're going, you know, you're taking a breath, right? Your heartbeat has a rhythm. And now some of you are reaching for your wrist. You want to take your pulse. You want to know how your heart's doing, you know? Your heart has a rhythm. Your body has a rhythm about it. The truth is everything has a rhythm because God created it that way. And quite often, like me being out of tune, you don't notice when something's out of rhythm until you put it next to something that is in rhythm, or you don't notice something until it's out of rhythm from the way it normally is. I was thinking about, um, you know, one night I woke up in bed and I was like, my chest is really tight and why is my left arm tingling? Like, this isn't right. And so, you know, being a good geek, I went downstairs and typed into Google signs of heart attack. And I was like, okay, that's one. I'm having that one too. Uh, I think I'm going to go to the ER. So I drove myself to the ER, which again is pretty crazy. And I get down there and I'm like, yeah, they're going to tell me you're too young to have a heart attack. And they're like, sure enough, you're having all the signs of a heart attack. And the machine even says you're having a heart attack. Let's go in the back. Um, You know, and I hadn't noticed my heart. I didn't notice anything was wrong with it until that time. I had never noticed. I didn't really feel it, but I could feel my heart. I could feel something was wrong. It turns out I just had mono, and it decided it was going to attack my heart. So I was okay, but, um, but there's, a, there's a truth to the fact that you don't notice something's off until um, you compare it to something that's, that's on beat. So God created us to be in rhythm, and he created us to be in rhythm with ourselves. He created us to be in rhythm with each other. He created us to be in rhythm with his creation, and ultimately he created us to be in rhythm with him. He created us to have this rhythm that we're talking about. This isn't just an accident. And so maybe you're here this morning and you're, you're hearing me talk about rhythm and you're thinking, yeah, I, I can relate to that. I have a rhythm that God created me with and, and my relationship's kind of going along with Christ and I can feel that. And you're wondering, okay, what does this apply? Well, I want you to listen today and understand that part of us is called to share that rhythm with other people. And so today might be a way that you can hear exactly how you might share that with somebody else. And whether or not you've, you've given your life to Christ or not, you may be looking at the screen and you're saying, okay, God created me to be in rhythm with myself. You're telling me God created me to be in rhythm with myself? Well, if that's true, then why am I not content? That doesn't make sense, you know? If, if I'm supposed to be in rhythm with myself, why do I want more? Why do I oftentimes feel out of control, you know? Why would I ever let myself get addicted to something? If I was totally, if I was, if I was uh, in rhythm with myself, why would that ever happen? You know, and if I was in rhythm with other people, why would I lose my temper with them? Why would I get angry? Why would I um, have trouble accepting them? Why would they have trouble accepting me? You know, why would I ever argue with people? What, why would those things happen? If I was created to be in rhythm with other people, why would that be? You know, and if we're created to be in rhythm with creation, why would it feel like we're killing it, you know? And ultimately, if God created us to be in rhythm with him, then why would I ever feel like he wasn't there, you know? Or why would I ever pray and wonder if my prayer is just hitting the ceiling? Or why would I not feel like maybe I'm getting an answer to the prayer, you know? If God ultimately created me to be in rhythm with him, why would I ever feel alone, right? You can look at that and you can ask those questions. Um, And so to answer those questions, I think we have to turn to the source and that is the Bible. This is, a, this is a great place to answer the questions in your life. If you want one, we're going to pass them out. You can have one. Take it home with you. It's yours to keep. Um, you can just borrow one and read along today. We're going to read a few scriptures. Um, if yours on, at home is dusty, I encourage you to take it out and uh, use it because it's not meant to sit on a shelf. Um, all right, so if you want to find the scripture we're going to start with, it's real easy. It's on page two. Okay, it's in the very beginning of the Bible. We're going to start looking at Genesis. And so if later on you're like, yeah, I want to go back and read that, It's in the beginning. Just read it. It's the first page going into the second page. So 
Um, you may not be familiar with what happens there, but you probably are. It's the story of creation. Things are starting to happen, right? God's creating things. And so here's a quick summary, right? Okay, God, God takes several days to create the world. And he starts with light, then he goes to dark. He creates air, sky, water. He creates land. He, plant, he creates all the plants. Then he moves to the heavens and he, does the, he creates the stars, the sun, and the moon. Then he moves and he says, I want to create all the stuff. So I create, uh, he creates the, the creatures of the sea, the air, and the land, right? And if you read the story, there's this total rhythm to it, right? He says like, um, okay, he speaks and then something's created and then he evaluates. It's good, it's good, it's good. And he keeps going, he keeps going. It's like, it's very rhythmic. If you read the story, it's awesome. Um, and then he moves on and he creates us. He creates man and he creates woman. He creates Adam and Eve. And so they're in this garden and they've got like everything they could ever need. It's like perfection. Just imagine being in this place where you have everything you need. And so everything is in rhythm, right? The earth and the sky are in rhythm, the garden, the plants are bearing fruit. I mean, everything's working just the way it's supposed to. Creation is in rhythm, right? And then, and you think about man and, and God, they're in this rhythm, right? They, they trust each other. Um, Adam and Eve trust God for everything that they need. They don't even worry about it. God just provides it and they don't worry because they know God's going to provide. God trusts them. He trusts, uh, what, Adam's supposed to name the animals and he trusts them to work the land and he trusts them uh, not to eat from this tree. I mean, there's, there's some mutual trust, this relationship's going on, right? And, and so, so man and God are in, in rhythm. And then if you think about man and woman, I mean, woman was created for man. They're like in perfect harmony. They're hanging out. Man and woman never argue. Um, Man and woman, there's no men are from Mars, women are from Venus. They understand each other. They're perfectly, uh, they're, they, they understand everything about each other. I think they could even probably complete each other's thoughts, you know? I mean, it's like they're just in perfect rhythm. And neither man or woman are self-conscious. They're content. So it's like, you know, they're, they're walking around and they're not going, hey, do you think this is getting too big back here? They're not even worried about their bodies. Like they're completely self, you know, uh, it's, they're not self-conscious at all. They're completely content with who they are and who God made them to be. So they're in rhythm with themselves, with each other, with God and with creation. Everything is working great. And then this song of creation has this massive scratch on the CD and everything kind of goes way off course. So we're gonna pick up on page two, Genesis chapter three, verse one. You can read on the screen or you can read in your Bibles along with me. This is what it says. It says, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, well, we may eat from the, uh, from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her. So if you've ever wondered if Eve deceived Adam, yeah, but I mean, they were both there and they're like perfect harmony with each other. They kind of knew what was going on. Adam was there. He knew she was going to grab the apple. It was kind of like, hey, I'll just pick it and we can eat it together. Okay, so like just throw that argument out the window. They were together. Um, So she also gave some to her husband who was with her. And he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. It sounds like they're not too um, content with their bodies right now. It sounds like they're a little out of rhythm with themselves. Then it goes on in verse 8. It says, The man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. 
and they hid from the Lord God. Wait a minute, now they're out of rhythm with God. They're hiding from him. This is the first time they've hid from him. Normally they're just like, hey man, how's it going? They're, you know, they're, they're in perfect rhythm with God. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And then my favorite verse, but the Lord God called to the man. You know, I mean, God already knew they were gonna mess up before he even put them there. He knew they were gonna mess up and he knew that they had already eaten the apple and they were hiding in the bushes. I mean, it's like he already knew all this. And yet he comes out there and he says, where are you? Hey, I'm looking for you. Where are you? I know you messed up, but I just want to talk to you. Come on out. Let's talk. You know, he's searching for them. This is one of my favorite verses. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Adam answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. And he said, and this is kind of sounds like the parent voice of God. Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And the man said, and this is like any good man would say, the woman you put here with me, um, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Not even making that up. It's just right there in the Bible. He turns right to her and he starts accusing her. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you've done? And the woman, being a good woman, says, uh, the serpent you put here, the serpent, he deceived me and I ate. So right here, they've already fallen out of rhythm with them, with themselves. They're, they're self-conscious. They don't, they don't like the way they look. They don't like the way they were created. They've fallen out of rhythm with God. They hide from him. They've fallen out of rhythm with um, each other. They're pointing, the fingers at e- they're pointing fingers at each other like, ah, you know, I can't believe what you're doing. And, and, and they're, they're already out of rhythm there. And then God says, you know, I love you too much to leave you in an eternity of sin. You cannot, you cannot live forever because if you do, you'll live in an eternity of sin and I just can't have that. I've got to get you out of here to save you. And so he throws them out of the garden so that they, to, to save them essentially. And so the garden that was so perfect all of a sudden becomes this other place that's not so perfect where it's barren and with thistles and you know Adam has to work hard and Eve has painful childbirth and creation is all of a sudden out of rhythm. They're not in rhythm with creation anymore. And so the next thing we read, they have two kids, Cain and Abel. Cain is so jealous of his brother that he decides, I'll just kill him and then I'll lie to God about it. And so it's like you have this deceitfulness, you have greed, you have all of this stuff. And if you fast forward that story from the beginning of the Bible to today, you'll see that we still have the same thing. We still have jealousy. We still have greed. We still have um, uh, all the distrust. We have discontent. We have all of these things that are in the story are still happening today. And that begins to answer the question of, well, if God created me to be in rhythm with all these things, why am I not in rhythm with all of these things? And so you may hear that and you say, well, yeah, that's true, that, but that's not me. I'm, I'm not perfect, but I'm pretty good. You know, I don't, I don't like, you know, take my neighbor's stuff. I may like it, but I don't take it. And, you know, I have everything I need. I'm not greedy. I, I get what I need, but I, you know, like, I mean, sometimes I get what I want, but I mean, like sometimes it's just what I need. And so, you know, you're trying to justify all these things saying, well, it's not me. I'm okay. I'm pretty good, but I'm not perfect. But I want to remind you that you may not hear when something's out of rhythm until you compare it to something that has rhythm. You may not hear that your life is off key until you put it next to something that is on key. You may not understand that your rhythm is off beat until you compare it to the perfect rhythm of God, which is on beat. So just be thinking about that today because like it or not, God's rhythm is incredibly different from our rhythm. God's rhythm is incredibly different. In fact, his is so much better. It's so much better than our rhythm. Some things that God calls us to do, and listen to this and sound, see if it sounds like your rhythm or God's rhythm. God calls us to love him more than we love our 
family. So think about that. He wants you to love him more than you love your mom or your dad or your your kids or your spouse or or your brothers and sisters. Think about that. God wants you to love him more than you love them. Well, I don't know about you, but I have a hard time with that because that doesn't even make sense. In my world, I love my family who I can see more than I love a God who I can't see. I I want to love him more, and I I go for that with all of my heart, you know, And, and his spirit can help me do that. But my world, I still see a rhythm that's, that's my natural state is to love my family more than I love him. And in fact, he wants me to love him more than I love me. And in my world, it's all about me all the time because I love me. If I'm honest, I love me, you know? I think I'm pretty great. So it's hard for me to love God more than I love me because I'm with me all the time, you know? And, and I may not see God, so it's hard for me. That's my natural state is me. And think about that. That may be you. It's hard for you to see, well, I love God more than I love me because you love you a lot. God also wants us to find joy in our suffering. Think about that. We just finished that story about the whole series of renegade joy. And as we talked about renegade joy, I was thinking to myself, nah, man, when, I get, when, I, when something bad happens, I whine. I'm a whiner. I love to whine. I just do. I don't find joy when I'm getting beat down. You know, and that's what God calls us to do. He wants us to find joy even in our suffering. That doesn't sound like my rhythm. That sounds like God's rhythm. It's very different. God loves us unconditionally and he forgives us infinitely, right? I don't know about you, but man, I have a hard time forgiving infinitely. You got like three shots and then it's like, no way, I can't do this anymore, right? I can't, he wants me to be like him. He wants me to have his rhythm, but my rhythm is different. My rhythm is not the same. And his rhythm is so much better. So you may be asking yourself, what does it mean to live in rhythm with God? What does that even look like? Well, it means you're going to live the way that Adam and Eve lived. They had the rhythm of God. They, they lived in, in rhythm with the, themselves. They lived in rhythm with each other. They lived in rhythm with, with creation. They lived in rhythm with God. They had purpose. They had meaning. They were content. They had peace. All of these things that come from God. That's what it means to live in rhythm with God. And so it means allowing him to have control of our life because if we give him control and he's better at it and he wants something for us that's better than what we think. You know, I think a lot of times we think, oh, God's got this evil plan. He wants to put us in a box and make us like not have an enjoyable life. But I hope you read that, you heard me read that story. That's what God wants for us. He wants us to have that rhythm that we had when he created us because that's the way he created us. And so giving him control is giving control to his spirit, which can change us and help us to live the way he intended us to, which is a good thing. And so if we're honest with ourselves, if we're honest here today, and we start to turn the light around on ourselves and say, okay, how is the rhythm in my life? What is it actually like? If we start to think like that, we might find some things that are out of rhythm with God. And so you may be here today and you're thinking to yourself, well, yeah, I got a little anger issue. Like I got some anger, maybe my temper a little flares up. Um, if you're like me, you get angry, you have no idea why you're angry. You're just, you're just mad. And like, you have to talk to somebody and figure out what in the world's going on, which is my wife for me. But you got to find out why you're angry. So maybe you're here angry about something. You got bitterness. Something's just hurting you. Maybe you know why. Maybe you don't. Maybe that's hitting you today. Or maybe you're feeling guilty about something. There's this, this thing in your life that's just kind of, it's just wearing on you, making you feel guilty. You know, there's, maybe there's something in there. It's going to make you feel out of rhythm with God. Maybe you have some relationships in your life that aren't filled with love. I mean, maybe it's a mom or a dad or a brother or a sister or, or a parent or a kid or something like that where that relationship is not filled with love because that's what God wants us to do. Maybe there's even some in there that are filled with hate and you're realizing, man, that's out of rhythm with God. How do I fix that? 
Maybe you're feeling overwhelmed or pressured. I mean, I know school's getting ready to start. I know a lot of our uh, teenagers and kids are going back to school, and maybe that's a lot of pressure. You know, and with this economy, there's a lot of pressure to hang on to your job right now. You know, maybe you're feeling overwhelmed and pressured with the need for success. Maybe you feel like you're stuck in a lie. Maybe you feel like you don't have identity or purpose, and you don't know where your focus is. And any one of those things can make you feel out of rhythm. Because if you're honest with yourself, God... God's rhythm, you may be out of rhythm either emotionally, relationally, or spiritually. Somewhere you're out of whack. And if you're honest with yourself, you'll feel it too. But what I love about our God is that he loves us too much to leave us that way. And that's always been the case because when you st- I started reading you the story about Adam and Eve in the very beginning of the book about how we were in rhythm with God and how we fell out of rhythm with God. And then the whole Old Testament is God like restoring people. The whole New Testament God restoring people. He's in the business of restoring people to the rhythm, to his rhythm. And so you read it and you're thinking, you know, like Rob pulled out that big document and he was like, this is what the Old Testament's like with all these rules. Yeah, God created all these rules not because he wanted to punish us because he hates us, but because he said, be holy as I'm holy. I'm holy, you be holy. This is what it looks like to, to follow me. Do it. If you do these rules, you'll be like me. And I'm holy, so you'll be holy, right? And so he, he loved them. He gave them this list of rules. But they couldn't do it. And he knew they couldn't do it. So he went ahead and he said, okay, here's the deal. I know you're going to mess up, so I'm going to go ahead and provide a way for you to redeem yourself. And so he said, you need to sacrifice some stuff. And so they would sacrifice things to him, things that were important to them, like bread, uh, grain, wine, silver, animals, things that were important to them, they would sacrifice to God to kind of like help a restoration. That's the way he created it. But it didn't work. Because they couldn't follow the rules and, and they couldn't even keep up with all the restoration stuff. So they just like were constantly out of rhythm with God. Does that make sense? They just couldn't do it. And neither can we. And so God provided a way to restore our hope. He provided a way for us to regain that rhythm that we once had with him. And we can't, I guess I need to stress the fact that like when you think about the Old Testament people and you're like, yeah, they couldn't do it. I mean, the Israelites had to be redeemed like a hundred times. I mean, you, you read through that scripture and you're basically like wipe these people out and start over again because you just can't do it. But if we look at ourselves, we realize we can't do it either. We don't have a way to sacrifice anything that's of value to God to make him love us enough that we could be redeemed. I don't know if that makes sense to you, but we cannot create a way to be redeemed. But God can, and he did. He loves us too much to leave us that way. And so he took the rhythm that he created, and he created a way for us to get it back. So if you flip in those Bibles that I gave you um, to page 783, Romans chapter 5 is where we're going to go. It's in the back of the Bible. Romans chapter 5, verse 6. This is how Paul says it. He says, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, think about powerless. That's like worthless. You have nothing to offer. You, you are unable to do anything. You're alone. You you can't do it. When we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. That's us, the people that are out of rhythm. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, we were worthless, powerless, unable to do anything on our own sinners. Christ died for us. And you may have heard that verse before and you're like, that's a great little compact version of of what it means for God's love. But I want you to really think about that, right? God took something that was of extreme value to him and put it on the table for us because we couldn't find anything on our own that was gonna make us right. So he did it for us. He created a way for us to have a relationship. 
And he did it through his son, Jesus, dying on a cross. So you may ask yourself, how do I get that rhythm back? I hear you. I hear what you're talking about. I hear that I'm a little out of rhythm and I hear that, that maybe that, that God's rhythm is better than mine and, and, and I hear that I can't fix it, but that God can. So how do I do this? Well, if you flip a couple more pages over to Romans 10, verse nine, it's on page 787 in those Bibles we handed out. It says this, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Now we don't use the word Lord like you kind of understand what that means, but like think about it, like you're, somebody is in control, right? The, the Lord would be in control of the servant, if you will. And so think about it like a boss, but think about a good boss, okay? This is a boss, you know, Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now that doesn't say you might be saved or you could be saved or if I want to, I'll save you. It says you will be be saved. That's a promise, okay? So it says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. That's a pretty cool promise. And if you're here today and you're, and you're reading those words and you're thinking, yeah, you know what? Like, I'm feeling like I'm a little out of rhythm, you know? I feel like I'm just my rhythm and God's rhythm are not lining up, and I want that back. I can't tell you, flip to page 782 and there's a do this plus this plus this and this equals that. You know, there's no like formula. This is a relationship. There's no formula to a relationship. But I can give you some points, some pointers, um, some things that you can do when you're talking to God to help start that relationship, to get it in the right direction. So first I would tell you to admit that you're out of rhythm with God, to talk to God and say, God, I'm out of rhythm with you. Here's the deal. I'm seeing your rhythm. I'm seeing it's better than my rhythm. And, and then you know automatically that puts him above you. Starts to put him in that Lord role that, you know, he's in charge. You're giving him control. Okay, God, I am out of rhythm with you. And here's kind of why. Here's some stuff that's out of rhythm. And you start laying it out there, man. Like, here's the closet. Let me open that closet and let that out. God, here you go. Here's another thing. Let that out and let that go. And all these things, are you're just confessing. You're confessing all the things that are out of rhythm with God. Second thing I would tell you to do is to release control to Christ because now you've laid it all on the table and it's like you've got the option, you can shove it back in the closet or you can say, God, you know what? Here it is. I want you to take it. I want you to do something with this life. I want you to make this life matter. I want you to make it count. Can you take my life and restore the rhythm, please? I want you to release control to him. And the biblical word for that is repent. That basically means like turn from your old life to your new life. And if you do that, it's like giving him control of the rhythm of your life. You're just giving him the beat. You're just going to follow his rhythm versus your rhythm. And the third thing I would tell you to do is probably the one that you struggle with the most, because I, I just, most people who follow Christ, that at some point in their life, they gave control, but then they just, they just forgot to do this third thing, which is to believe that his spirit, believe that his power can change you. Most people don't, I mean, it's like we don't believe that God can actually change us. We lay it out there and we're like, here, you have it but I'm not sure you could actually change me. But God can change you no matter what is in the closet. God's spirit, the Bible tells us, is a deposit which can, guarantees our inheritance with him into eternity. I believe that today. I believe that with all my heart. But it also tells us that it's a shepherd that guides us and provides us power while we're here. It provides us power to grow. And so you need to know that in this place, right now, God's spirit can move you and change you and grow you and restore that rhythm because God has the power to change you. And I know that God can change you because I've seen how he changed me. I've seen how he changed other people. I've seen how he's taken people and just restored them. 
I've read his, the book is about him restoring people. And that's what I see. You know, for me, it all happened. I went to church my whole life. Um, when I was a little kid, I would go to church and, and I would sit in there and I'd kind of listen, you know I mean? It was like more playing with the stuff in my mom's purse. But, you know, I, I would listen and, uh, and, and all this stuff kind of went into my head. And I was like, yeah, that's cool, man. I, yeah, I get it. Jesus was God's son and he died on a cross. And um, yeah, I get that, you know. But I didn't let it do anything. I didn't actually like say, yeah, okay. I, I knew God's rhythm but I wasn't willing to admit that his rhythm was better than my rhythm. And I wasn't willing to say, you can have control. That, that just was, that was a foreign idea, even though I've been in church my whole life. And at some point, actually it was a February, cold February at NC State, me and God chilling on a bench. I was like, here you go, God, here's the deal, man. I can't do this. I've tried. I keep trying and I keep failing. And I think I'm pretty awesome, but I'm really not because your rhythm is way better than mine. And you got control of the ship. And I said, you just do whatever you want. Just take me wherever you want to go. And that's, that's my story. And I bet if you ask other people in here, they would have other stories about how God restored them and set them on a course that changed their life. Now this morning, if you're wanting to have that, if you're wanting to talk to one of us, or if you're wanting to just talk to God about it and, and, and give him control, um, there's some easy things you can do. Um, number one, you could just talk to one of us after service. We'd love to talk to you. And we created an easy way to do that. If you go out the... Um, after service, if you go out the door, hang a left and hang a left, you'll be in theater two. And in theater two, there'll be some people there that would just love to talk to you about what's going on in your life, pray with you, talk to you about how God can restore that rhythm. If you're not into that, you can even take the back of this little card right here and it says, I want to know more about becoming a Christ follower. And you just check the little box and we call you and say, hey, let's talk. What's going on in your life? This is what God says. This is what you say. And just talking, we're just talking. And so I would encourage you today that if you want to do that, that that today is a good day to do that. I also want to tell you that right after you read about conversions in the Bible, there's something that happens right after that. Right after you hear about people giving their life to Christ, you read about them being baptized. And so this, this thing of baptism, this thing that God calls us to do, that he commands us to do, to obey him in baptism, is right there, right alongside. When people make a choice for Christ, a decision that's of their own free will, the next thing that happens is that they're baptized. And so I want to tell you a little bit about baptism this morning because you may have given your life to Christ 40 years ago. You may have given your life to Christ four minutes ago. Whatever the case is, you need to know that one thing that Christ calls us to do is to obey him in baptism. So let me tell you about what baptism is. When I read the Bible, I read baptism. It's a response to somebody's response to, uh, to the message of Christ. It's not optional. When you read, go forth in all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. It doesn't say, go forth in all the nations. If you want to baptize them, go ahead and do that. Like, if you feel like it, get baptized. If you don't, that's okay. It's a command. It's not optional. It's right there in the scripture. You can read it. It's an outward symbol of what's going on on the inside. I mean, this ring does not make me married to my wife. It doesn't. What makes me married to my wife is my relationship with her and my love for her and my commitment to, to just be with her for the rest of my life, you know? It's the commitment that I made. This ring is just a symbol of what's going on on the inside. The symbol is, is a, this ring is a symbol of what's going on in our relationship. And I think my wife would have a really hard time if I was like, Rachel, I don't think I want to wear the ring anymore. Like, I think it's kind of cramping my style, you know? Like, I think she'd have a hard time with it. And I think I would have a hard time with my relationship with Christ if I wasn't willing to say, God, I get it. You want me to be baptized, but I don't really feel like it. I'm not really cool with that. Like, that's not optional. 
And it's a baptism, just like this ring, is a symbol of what's going on on the inside. It symbolizes a new life. You know, when you read about it in the Bible, it's done by immersion. Immersion is a fancy word for getting dunked, okay? It's like, I'm going to put you under the water like I'm burying you, and then I'm going to pull you back up, like as if you're raising up to a new life. Very symbolic of Jesus' death and resurrection, okay? It's very symbolic of a new life. And that, that new life, that going under the water and coming up, is an easy way to function as a line in the sand to say, you know what? When I come up out of that water, God, I want to live my life for you. I don't care about all that junk and pain that's behind me. I'm going to live for you. And so baptism for a lot of people is like drawing a line in the sand. The last thing that that I will say about baptism is that it's something that Jesus did. The one person who did not need to be baptized was Jesus. And yet he did it. Why did he do it? He did it as an example for us because he also says, be like me. I want you to be like Christ. Pick up your cross and carry it daily, right? He says, be like Christ. Christ was baptized. He calls us to be baptized too. Father, I pray that as we, the church, go out and we we enter into relationships with other people, that the rhythm that we have that's just pouring out of us from you would just infect them and that they would just know that there's something different about us and that that difference is you. I thank you for who you are. Thank you for your son. And it's in his holy name we pray. Amen.